Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude, Dude, Guess What? Hey, hey, it's episode 29. Yay! (laughs) Welcome. Okay. Uh, We're excited to have everybody. We have a guest person on today. We've got Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah, we're excited to have another person on um, just to like tell you what we're doing today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some intergenerational trauma. Yeah, a little heavier than probably your average. <laughs> yeah, yeah, topic. But this is fun. It's like all like we kind of have, you know, like the heavy topics. And then sometimes we talk about like what food to eat at Disneyland. So we're just like keeping you guessing. It works. Just, yeah. Um. So we'll get into that later, but first let's just like do a little catch up bridge. what did you do this week? Gosh, I was trying to think about it. I always, am like, what did I do? Um, Austin had his first soccer game and that was pretty cool. Anthony's like teacher coaching it. And, um, anyway, he, uh, it's just kind of funny, dude, like watching the kids and in my mind, I'm like, man, this would be so much easier if the kids knew which goal that they were supposed to be like kicking the ball into. <laughs> I'm like, and I don't, Anthony's the coach and I don't want to make him like feel bad. And I'm sure he's going to listen to this episode and roll his eyes. But I was wait. like, I, know, I was like, dude, do these kids know that they're supposed to go to that goal and not this goal? And I don't know. It's just, it's kind of funny. Like they have practices each week and then they have the games on Saturdays and it's just, it's funny. Like the team that they are playing against, there was a kid there that was like huge. I mean, not like, like he just was tall. A big kid. Yeah. He was a big kid. And I was like, okay, you're either 12 or you have been taking like steroids, human growth hormone for a quick minute, because <laughs> there's no way you are five years old, like, or even six. But, um, yeah. And then we're Austin's turning five in a couple of weeks and just Dude, trying to find that. I know this is the thing though, right. Is like, he has asked me to like, he wants to have a birthday party with all of his friends from primary from church. Mm-hmm. And is that a lot when it's like in Utah, it's like 30 kids. Well, or- I'm not even in Utah. I'm in Oklahoma. And oh, so, okay. yeah, so he still has quite a bit of um, friends that are in his class, but it's more so that like every birthday up until now, it's always just been with family. And so now he wants to invite like other kids. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how to like navigate this because like, do I send the mom like an e-text like or like an e-text? <laughs> an e-text? You know? Okay, 80, 80 year old lady. but I mean like do I send them like an e-invite and and be like hey like here's this and like number one like I don't want parents to feel like they have to stay like after they drop their kid off Mm -hmm. number two I'm like I also don't want people to feel like they have to bring gifts like it's more just like Austin wants to hang out with his little buddies you know like Yeah. yeah It just I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had to cross this bridge, but I think maybe just send them an email with the invite in it or send them a text like, Hey, we're having a birthday party. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I, I know. know 
that's another world that I haven't even like comprehended at this point. Like, <laughs> I know he's our first, so this is like all new to me, and I'm just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I hate this kind of stuff. Well, especially where it's like we're new to the area, so it's not like we have like solidified friendships or you know what I mean. Yeah, but this is how you do it though, dude. Because you do little birthday parties, you invite people over. Yeah, I know. Anyway. It's like, but I don't want to. Anyway, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like stressing out about it. And oh, and we found a snake in our backyard. Oh, gross. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was probably like six inches long, which isn't, and it was tiny. Oh, yeah. the picture you oh. said made it look way bigger. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it freaked me out. And I'm like, nope, not going back there anymore. Like, into the backyard. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> You're like, guess we're inside people now. I know. Anthony always calls us vampires and our kids are like, what is the sun? Because <laughs> go outside a lot just because there are a ton of spiders too. And I just, ugh. ugh. Yeah, I'm not into that either. What about you, Liz? My week was actually kind of busy. Um, I had Bunko on Monday, which Bridget had Bunko too. Oh, yeah. That. Anyway, I'm not, I, I won't, I won't make you talk about it. But I had Bunko and then I went to like Ryan's family's has like this like women's retreat thing and so i went to the dinner went to that dinner we had like a, Whoa, party. a women's retreat i know it's like it's they're like that sounds like schmancy no it, it wasn't that schmancy like it was at a really nice house but like it, everyone's just together it's like all this these generations of women anyway uh, and then um we had a neighborhood party and then i went to richfield to hang out with sarah's kids and help my mom with watching them and i took robbie with me and i we got back today and i'm like exhausted like four kids whole i mean i went from one to four so that was like a lot for me <laughs> um but yeah i'm exhausted but it's ryan's turn tonight to watch robbie and i'm gonna get a full night of rest so it's great that's awesome what yeah. about you Lindsay? have you did anything fun this week not really. I mean, like, honestly, I just started work. So I work full time and I go to school full time. So I, I mean, I actually started school. That's what I mean. So yeah, started school. And I mean, going to BYU Idaho at 28 is interesting in itself. Like, I'm a bunch, I'm like, just this last Tuesday, I went into a class and it was a group project right out of the gate. And the two were like, one was a 22 year old boy and one was an 18 year old girl. And I was third wheel in it, that entire group project. It was really interesting, but it was it was cringy at the same time. And I'm like, is this how it's done now? Like <laughs> dating, like, you know, they had to initiate that one or the other wasn't engaged, you uh-huh. know, and that was just, that was just, it was just weird. But I was, I remember just calling Austin about it because he's in Oregon right now. And I'm like, I, this is weird. This is really weird how it You, all you goes go to down. BYU, Idaho, like you are in Rexburg. I am. I'm in Rexburg right now. Oh my yeah. heck. I like need an, I mean, like that's where Anthony went to school. My husband went to school and then I think, oh, yeah. yeah, I, I went to Utah state for three years and then I finished up my last year at BYU, Idaho. So I'm like, I'm like wondering where you like live and stuff. Cause Do you, was Providence square like established at that point? Cause I feel like these are newer apartment complexes. No, we went there seven years, seven, eight years ago. So it's been a hot minute, but, um, that's cool. I Rexburg's like so fun. I mean, Austin in school too. I thought Austin 
or was he initially up there before you? I don't remember. No, no. So Oscar hasn't even started college yet. He, I don't know if he, it's kind of up in the air what he wants to do, go and do right now, which is mm-hmm. totally fine. And I'm sorry about my dog. Your husband's name's Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my heck, I love it. Austin. My son's yeah. Austin. So, um, but yeah, no, he's, uh, I'm the only one going to school. I got my senior year left and Woo! then he's going to figure out what he wants to do. I know, just, I need to get it done and over with it. And so I'm really excited to be done. What are you, what are you studying? Um, communications emphasis in journalism. And then I got my minor in sociology. Cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, Bridget, and this is like a little tidbit of information, but when Austin and Lindsay were dating, Ryan and I went on a double date with them and we were out with them the night that they got engaged. But Austin was like going to tell me and Ryan that he like that they were going to go go get engaged after dinner but Lindsay never left the table to go to the bathroom so he could never <laughs> tell us so he like we had so much to catch up on and it was I I, it was so weird because he was in the bathroom for so long do you remember that and I was like yes. what I'm like okay oh wait and so I, you guys were there with them we weren't there. We we went to dinner before. We like did a double date with them before, and then yeah. he and Lindsay went and did their own thing afterwards. Yeah. Oh, and I okay. Was at Sugar House, and we were downtown at that point. But did I ever tell you like how I got suspicious? Like there was a point where on our way to Sugar House Park, he was telling me how there's this great dessert place, and you know it's like a thirty. It can be like a thirty minute drive with traffic, and I had to mm-hmm. pee like five <laughs> minutes into the drive, and I was like, I really have to pee. And he's like, can you just hold it? Like, just hold it. And I was like, <laughs> like, like oh my God. There's no absolute way I can. No. Yeah. I was, yeah, it was great. But um, it ended up being a happy story. I was, I didn't pee my pants. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So I was like, I remember when they got engaged, I was like, cause I saw on Instagram, like literally like 45 minutes. And I was like, what the freak? They just got engaged. We were just with them. <laughs> that's funny dude yeah, it was fun, it was fun. like yeah. do you approve do you think he's do you like him oh my god yeah uh, yeah we, on the way I'm like he's so great dude he's so good he, Austin's such a good guy you you got a good catch I did I did it worked out perfectly okay so like I mentioned earlier um we're gonna be talking about intergenerational trauma but more specifically related to Native American history because Lindsay, who's on today, is Native American. Yeah. So Linz, what tribe are you from? Yeah, so I am half Blackfoot Native American and the my membership is actually up in Alberta, Canada. And so we call ourselves First Nations up there. And um, so yeah, just Blackfoot Native American. My dad was born and raised in Alberta, Canada. I visit there quite a bit. I guess I, I am dual citizenship. So I have both citizenship here in the US and in Canada. So I did not know that. No, yeah. I, I didn't really know that either until like where I was getting my membership and I don't have to show my passport. I really just have to show my tribal membership and go back oh, and forth. Cool. Came, so. Wait, so you have like a, a card that says, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's not the best picture of me it, and you know the word it really looks like I got my mug shot taken <laughs> I have like this striped shirt and it, they want me to be I can't smile in it so I look very stoic and I'm like no oh, this is great this is so I didn't even that- know that that was like a thing like I didn't yeah. know that you had like a membership card uh-huh yep I, just to, like I think 
for Native Americans just to have records because before like records weren't really well kept. And so now being able to, um, especially with all like the scholarships and opportunities Native Americans technically quote unquote have, I think it's harder to get. Um, it just shows like, yeah, I am Native American. And um, and I think there's a cutoff point, like how, what percentage you are. I think it's 116th now that they don't consider you Native American to be registered under their membership. So, mm, okay. okay. Yeah. I remember my uncle, I have an uncle that does genealogy and he was like, yeah, we're related to Pocahontas. And I was like, okay, that's not, <laughs> it's probably like one one hundredth of a relation there. Like, should we even count it at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the number one thing I get whenever I like mention I'm Native American. They're like, oh, I'm I'm Navajo or I'm Cherokee. And I'm like, yeah, I think everyone is at this point. <laughs> You're like to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I did not know, like Richard saying, I did not know that there was cards. That's that that makes sense though, about like trying to keep records of it. Um yeah, because like most I'm assuming this is like what I know, which is very little, is like a lot of like his history. Native American history is oral and like um mm -hmm. like that gets passed down so it's nice to have some actual records yeah storytelling so, is big in our you know in our community and so being able to share our stories and our upbringings and of our ancestors is all through oral like storytelling that. yeah so this brings me to our next question I, I know I keep saying Native American yeah. but what's the correct term is it Native American or Indian or does it matter like yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, with the uh, with people or natives or indigenous up in um, Canada, it's First Nations. That's who they're they're known as, is First Nations or indigenous. And then down here in America, like I, I'm, it's okay to say Native American. It's okay to say indigenous. I am Indian. I, I mean, I don't think it's a derogatory term or anything. I think it just gets confused with like Indian from you know from the country India. And so that's where that mix up comes from. So I think we try to stick to Native American or if you're up in Canada, First Nation. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I know, so you got the First Nations up there, but your family lives in Washington, right? Yeah. So my mom was born and raised in, well, no, she was born in um, Wisconsin and then her parents migrated or like they decided to stay in um, Seattle and then when my dad and my mom met in Rick's college, then my dad just moved with her to Washington because he he made it a point that he didn't want to live on the res or raise his family on the res, which was mm. a big dispute, I think, mm -hmm. kind of wedge that, you know, was instilled with him and the, the fan of his own family because it's, you know, when you're First Nation or Native American, you really do want to like stay on the res to like cultivate that culture that's left and very like very small and, and it's remaining um but he growing up with like all like the troubles that are on the reservation that people face I think that's where he was like I don't want to have that in my own home and you know cool. entertain that so he he lived in he lived in Washington we were all raised in Seattle area so I think I became being brown in the Everett ghetto area that I was raised, I really wanted to like hang out with people that looked more like me, even though they weren't, you know, it was more Hispanics that looked like me oh, okay. who I gravitated to because they, I like, I could look, I looked like them and they looked like me. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm Hispanic or try to like, 
I don't know, just try to figure out who I am and identify. There was definitely an identify crisis when I was a kid, um, but I became more street smart. And Mm -hmm. then my dad's like, you're not, this isn't you. Like this is (laughs) wrong identity (laughs) to like (laughs) find yourself in, but yeah. I honestly, like even like kind of like Liz said, I know very little about like Native American history besides like, um, like early territory like mm-hmm. United States history. Like that's kind of my uh, knowledge basis. And I don't know if I can say that for like yeah. a majority of our listeners, but um, kind of like you talking about the reservation, that's like where a lot of Native Americans live, correct? Like yeah. within their different tribes or? Yeah, yes and no. Like we have a lot of it. Like if you go to like cities, like, you if you were to ever go into like a city they mostly have like uh, Indian healthcare, which is free for Native Americans to go and to get the health care that's provided for them is that so on the reservation or is that just it's anywhere? in cities so you oh, it's in the city okay, Seattle, okay Chicago New York and if you go there you're going to find a lot of Native Americans there kind of surrounding the area and I mean if you and but the sad part is it's like they're all struggling you know they're all dealing with something you know mm-hmm whether it's mental or, you know, alcoholism or drug abuse, like, you know, they all kind of congregate together, but yeah, mostly you're going to, if you're going to go to the reservation, you're going to find tons of um, Native Americans or yeah, First Nations. We're all kind of spread out though. Um, So when, so talking about reservation, um, when you go visit your family, are they still like, not, not like your immediate family, not like your parents or siblings, but like cousins, grandparents, are they still on the reservation then or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a big deal to leave the reservation, especially if you're born and raised on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Really? Because, um, and it's, it's so interesting because it was such a culture shock for me when I was 12 years old, being, I was, you know, raised in a home where my dad was full Blackfoot Native American and my mom was white, she's Norwegian, German mix. And, um, like to me, it was just like, that's normal. Love is love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember going onto the reservation. It was like, you know, they weren't, the locals were called whites. Like, you know, like, why are you talking to that white person? Or, oh man, white people kind of thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like I'm half white, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, but then they would call me an apple. So I, like, you know, kind of like I was white on the inside and we're just red skin. Oh, I acted more white than I acted more native. Dang. And so that like, you know, it was a wake up call to me too. And so I was like, you know, I really need to learn about more about my culture. And, um, but I also wanted to st- stay away from this idea that like whites were the blame for everything, even though our history it's, it's sad. It is tragic to hear about it all. I really wanted to step away from like this hate that they had towards locals and locals had towards Native Americans because it was it was very um, prominent and like in your face. Even whites like were looking at me and they just didn't trust me. I was Native, you know, mm-hmm. so it was weird. And that, that's... Like that still goes on. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say oh, too. Definitely, really? definitely. It's in your face it's it's very ugly um on both sides i would have to say like it's just it can get very ugly i i hope now it's evolved i haven't been i lived on the res when i was only for about two and a half months when i was 12 years old but it was very much like a wake-up call like whoa this is racism Mm -hmm. still exists it's an underlining it's not as bad as it was before but it's still there 
Do you feel like That's racism so kind of also like exists on like both sides? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Native, like Native Americans not liking white people. Do you do you feel like um, that's more so just like in the reservation, and then like when they go outside into, I don't want to say like the real world, but like mm-hmm. I don't know, like outside of their gates. Like I don't even like how do you get on a reservation? Like do you have to have like a card or like? This sounds probably so. No, no. Um, I'm glad that you guys are having me because there's so many questions. And I think a lot of people, even with like the new show called Res Dogs, they had it's all Native American or First Nation cast. And Jimmy Fallon was like one interviewing them and he didn't know what to ask them either. He just focused mainly on their acting skills, which he knew what to ask. But to mm-hmm. me, I was like, that what a great opportunity to share people about our culture because nobody knows. Mm-hmm. But to, to answer your question, Yes, even, but it's not so in your face because I don't think it's on your, your turf, you know, where you can act that way. But there, there's this, like, I can see it with like some of my family members, like towards my mom, just very like, you know, they kind of, Native Americans are quiet at first, if you're ever around them and they just observe you. They like to see kind of who you are as a person before they have give you respect or talk to you. And they mm-hmm. even did that to me. But with um, when I brought my fiance, my ex-fiance to meet my grandmother, she didn't even acknowledge him. She didn't call him by his name. She didn't acknowledge him. I think at first she tried to blame it on her like hearing loss. Mm-hmm. But I was like, come on, I know you can hear me. And I'm saying Ben, and it's not like a, you know, it's not like a long name, but Mm -hmm. she wouldn't even call him by his first name. She'd only call him Abuidium, which is like Blondie, like, you know, (laughs) she would say. And I was like, to me, I, and then that's when I get protective because I'm like, you know, you gotta trust, you gotta judge people by their heart and not by the color of their skin. It's the same vice versa. I hope people will judge me by my heart and not because of the color of my skin. But yeah, it's still there. It's it's and you can feel it. Can't you feel when people don't like you? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely there with Native Americans that don't like white people. It's like they don't trust them. They don't, you know. And they, yeah. I feel like they have a lot of reasons why not to. Which which sets. that's probably like a lot of deep rooted issues, uh-huh. right? That's what I was gonna say is like, is it is it mainly from like you know way back when, like when we're like stealing the territories, you know. Like, like yeah. it just it actually doesn't even go back far, that far. Um, my dad was put into residential schools. I don't know if you've heard of residential schools. Mm-mm. Didn't they have one in Brigham City? I yeah, they had them all over. So oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So with when colonization happened, when you know, you know, the British people came over and then um, they wanted to settle down here. They first try to obliterate Native Americans because they couldn't live with peace with one another. And so genocide happened through Trail of Tears, through uh, measles, with, through the blankets and all that. And when Native Americans wouldn't die, they were like, okay, so instead of killing Native Americans, we're going to kill the Indian inside them. And so that was like Andrew Jackson's like major goal as a president to push that on Native Americans. And so what happened was they they wanted they sent out Christian or Catholic missionaries. Missionaries, to, yeah. 
yeah and so they they had to cut their hair they weren't allowed to speak their language Mm. they you know they weren't allowed to practice their you know their traditions and they were put into these catholic schools and so they were taken out of their homes and put into these residential schools from monday through what friday and then if their parents came to pick them up great but sometimes their parents wouldn't come pick them up Mm -hmm. so their families were ripped apart and this happened up until my dad my dad was put into residential schools so that's not that long ago. I mean, how old is your dad? Like no, 50, 60? I have no idea. Yeah, it was like probably the 19, late 1960s where it finally ended. And even after that ended, the LDS church, so if they were, you know, LDS Mormons, you know, sorry, that's not the right context, Mormons, but uh, Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. like missionaries, when they went in, they were like, okay, like, let's kind of help that. And so they put it like this name, the Lame Night Program. And it was same, it was the same kind of contact. Yeah. And my, my, sorry, my, uh, my husband's grandma was like a person that, um, housed Native Americans at her home. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know how many she had at a time, but it was essentially, sorry, go on. You can tell about that, um, program. And for my dad, it was an amazing program because we still call that her his like foster grand his foster mom grandma and grandpa and we're really close to them because they're such a loving family but not everyone was placed into a loving family and mm-hmm. so and it was in it in if like the underlining issue there was that to me if i if to me looking out into it it just seems like wait so you don't trust the native american mom or dad to raise their own child their own children like why why was that in place? Not that I have any hate or anything of that because it really blessed our family, but it really ruined other people's families. Like I, I can see it. And so- Dude, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, 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 you're good. No, it, it, it blows people's minds because it's like, wasn't that just back in the 16, 1700s? And I'm like, yeah. no, this yeah. happened recently. And my generation is the first one to like make the decision like, what are we going to do about it? Cause there's so generations and generations of hurt and hate and what do we do? Like, mm-hmm. so, so I, I was just thinking, I'm like, man, this is like such a good segue into like the, like some of these other questions that I have like thought about. So it was good for your dad. Did your dad have siblings? Yes. Were yeah. they part of the program as well? Uh-huh. My dad's the youngest one and one of the youngest. And so okay. he had older siblings that definitely went through it longer. And how did that, how did the residential program work out for them? Was it a good, good thing for them too? Or did they end up having like any residual side effects? I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. No. So just shaking your head now. Okay. No. Yeah. Sorry. I forget. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was terrible living on the, when I was 12 years old, like I said, lived there. I can like, I would go, like even to just last week, my cousin came and said, oh, it's so sad that Uncle Jack, you know, was dealing, you know, he's on the streets right now. Like, thankfully, he's he's got back into a home and he's fine. Other uh, cousins that are dealing with drug and alcohol, even suicide thoughts, you know, I I get reached out to. I have tons of cousins there, which made me so happy because I I felt like I didn't I didn't have a family like a, a like um. Like you see like Hispanics, they have their large families coming every Sunday or, you know, Cambodians and, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was such a big family unit, but with Native Americans, it was like, I went there and that was my cousin. That was my second cousin. That was my uncle and all of that. Um, 
and they were all dealing at some length or, you know, with alcoholism, drug abuse, suicide thoughts, just, you know, barely hanging on. And it broke my heart to see that. And, um, but yeah, they were, they're all dealing with something in their own way. And the problem was, I think because of residential schools, there was a lot of emotional, physical abuse and sexual abuse mm-hmm. on both women and men. Mm-hmm. And um, from the priests and from yeah, none. There was like a news article that like, they just found, I don't know, it was, it was a Catholic church, wasn't it? Or something where they found like a ton of Native American bodies like buried underneath the school, right? And no names were given out until we're, I think they may have like gotten, the Pope has finally given us some names, but yeah, they like. Where was I this? Think, Here in Utah? You know, oh, it was in the United States. Yeah. Oh, I oh, thought it was, oh, it was in Canada. You're right. Correct. It's where it started was in Canada. And now the question is arising like, well, why aren't we digging other places, you know, at other churches or residential schools here in the U.S.? Like this is, and it was, they found like 2,000 or one, like hundreds here and hundreds of there. So kids just wouldn't come home, you know, and that was, had become like a norm then at that point, you know, for I think Native Americans to not ask questions anymore. And that's why there's this whole movement called MMIP, it used to be MMIW, which is Missing Murdered Indigenous Women, because mm-hmm. um, Native Americans are 10 times more likely to go missing or found murdered than any other ethnicity. Wow. And that's a whole other subject that I've been really digging into and working with an attorney about and like interviewing him. And it's just been like, it's been so sad, but also like there's a lot of work ahead of us that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So, dang. Oof, man. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you mentioned like your, your dad and his siblings, it was a good thing for, but um, maybe your aunts and uncles weren't a part of the program type of thing. Uh, but so when you're talking about, sorry, I'm, I'm getting this to a roundabout way thinking about like the, like, you know, alcoholism, depression, and uh, suicidal thoughts. When I was like looking up this topic today, I saw that this was all part of like, these are all associated with intergenerational trauma, like in Native American history. Um, so would you say like, have you, you've seen it firsthand then, um, like with your aunts and uncles, has it gotten worse over time? Has it gotten better over time? Like, what does that look like now? Thankfully now with the social light of like therapy and being able to talk about things, um, is such a big push with our, you know, with our generation and our society, that I think that it's helping right now, but it's going to get uglier before it gets better. I always can compare it to like a messy drawer, your junk drawer that you push it, put everything in. Mm-hmm. You have to like dump it out to sort everything out before you're going to start organizing through it. And that's where we're at right now. We're, we're trying to bring to light a lot of the ugliness of our history and things that have happened to us. And now what's going to happen? What do we have to do? And there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of resentment. But if I think if we keep pushing towards that therapy, then the only way to actually heal is, in my opinion, to forgive, to press forward and fight for what you do have remaining left. Because there are so many family members that love that cousin, that love that aunt, that love that uncle, that we really want them to fight for themselves. Like, and But what are those tools? What do they look like? And mm-hmm. um, that's the question that I think we're all kind of searching for right now. So how has, how has intergenerational trauma, like, 
affected your family or, or I guess more so just like Native Americans in general? Yeah. So for, you know, it's kind of like when you have your own demons and you run away, those demons are still going to follow you. That was with my dad, the epitome of what happened with my dad. He, he never shared all too much, but just enough for me to understand what he was struggling with. He has really, I, I mean, he's never been diagnosed with it, but I, I, he struggles with um, depression, but he struggled a lot with alcoholism when we were growing up and he would, it started when I, in 1993, actually the year that I was born from what I heard for the first time that he took off. So what happened was that he would, he would work and he, he's a hard worker and everything, strong ethics of working, but um, whenever he got extra money, sadly he would leave and we would never know where he would go. He would go from a couple days to a couple weeks, sometimes a couple months. Like I, we wouldn't know where our dad would be. Wow. And one time, what was traumatic for me was that I, I think I was maybe 10 or eight years old, but I went to a public library when my dad had taken off and then he was passed out drunk in the library. And that, that woke up to me like, whoa, like this is, you know, there's a lot of frustration there, but it wasn't until I was 12 years old and realizing how much worse it could be seeing, you know, that with his siblings, you know, my aunts and uncles that I was like, we actually have it pretty good off, like in Mm -hmm. in some aspects. Um, But yeah, so that, that was hard. And he's been two, two years sober now. He's doing really good. It's like the longest we've ever seen him and, and he's doing really well. And he's, he's, he's such a good dad, but there were, there was absences of like not having my dad. So Mm -hmm. I had to make the decision and all the rest of our siblings had to make the decision, like, what are you going to do about it? And none of us have really touched alcohol. We're not, we, you know, because we don't want that for our own families. We want to be very yeah. present if we can. And a lot of us are going into therapy because, again, we don't want to, you know, have to relive that that trauma on projecting it on our kids. So, mm-hmm. Wow, that's really great for your dad. I'm, that's That's awesome. And good for your yeah. family, too. Yeah. I feel like, um, alcoholism and, um, like in that realm, like depression is very like prominent then in native Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like more so than you would say, like the average American, like, right. Really? I think resources are slim when it comes to native Americans. They have at least it's the average healthcare is about $2,000 for each Native American to use the resources that are taken care of for them. But that's half of what a prisoner gets, you know, on the average. And so um, if they commit a crime and they say they end up going to prison, which most cases that they do, they have a bed, they get meals three times a day and they get TV. Like, why would you not want to have that? Yeah, they get like, yeah. And so, and so alcoholism is kind of their own self-medication at this point. And it makes sense, you know, for me, like there's definitely a more forgiving perspective that I have towards my family and towards my dad, because I've, I've seen it firsthand and it's just like, this is ugly. This is heavy, but you know, alcoholism seems like it's just a, a way of medicating to numb that whatever happened to them. Yeah. Um, this is really random, but I remember, I'm just like remembering this. I don't, I can't even remember where I was, but I was with my dad and we were on a vacation and we were driving through a reservation. And I remember 
through like one this like it's like there was like a highway going through and it went from going you know from like 70 miles an hour and you had to go all the way to like 25 miles and you had to drive with your headlights on um like even in the middle of the day because of like the like the uh native americans there would like get drunk and like walk through the um highway so they were like it was like this like safety uh not concern but like I can't think precaution, yeah. safety precaution to go like because they would get drunk and walk on the highway and there's probably enough accidents that they were like okay I guess we need to like make this an actual. Oh, thing. I can't yeah. remember. I'll have to ask my dad where we were when that happened. But yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it the funny thing about Native Americans though is like they just kind of do their own thing, you know. Like despite, I think that's kind of like their own pride as well. It's just like yeah, who cares? Like whatever. And it's like like some aspects of it it's funny and it's interesting but I'm like "Ah." yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you've got family on the reservation and um, we were talking about this earlier and I forgot to ask it but do you feel like maybe the family that is still there do they maybe like resent your family for leaving and do they like me are they like oh they think they're better than us like type of situation like do they have those types of feelings I think so. I think it it resides in some of them, um, of the siblings, not so much of the cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, cousins are like, we're, they don't care. I think it's just kind of like, whatever. Like, But with the siblings, it's like, why did you leave us? Like, why, you know, especially with how much, like my dad's sister, two sisters passed away. One was from an overdose. The other one was from a car accident um you know his older brother passed away and it was like you know the fewer that are reliable and that are there it kind of those responsibilities falls on their shoulders and the question is like why why aren't you here this is your family this is you know and I think especially it's um my mom can I think detest it too that they were mad that he married a white woman and I remember my grandmother even telling me like don't marry a white person marry a you know marry another native and I'm like like and it's just a weird I think because our you know we've just been spread out and our family's been torn apart for so long that I think that we're just like we got to stick together and yeah I, I can understand why they feel that way but you know everyone teach their own you can't choose who you fall in love with it just happens sometimes (laughs) right so sorry I'm gonna switch I'm like all over the place my mind is kind of all over the place so from what I know about Native American culture um like it all seems like very like Mm close-knit um like especially like within like your own little tribe um and I'm thinking about like growing up and like babies and things like that what does that look like for you guys? Like, like growing up, um, were you guys all close? Um, like, does that make sense? I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm like making sense on that. Yeah, no, I think, I think we're close because of the things that we were faced with as kids that we were forced to grow up early. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I would like to think it was because we're native Americans, I can tell sometimes with like certain family members, they just, I mean, they know the history and it's heavy. I think they're more invested in it now, but weren't so much when we were younger because Mm -hmm. there was, you know, there was just so much um, 
frustration and not knowing where to put that with my dad like mm-hmm. we were frustrated he needed to be there that that's a that's a fact you know mm-hmm. but until you step away and see what he really like, went through then we were like oh my gosh I didn't realize he he's done this you know but there's still like that portion of you like I'm frustrated I'm angry I needed my dad and I think that's what really made us strong together as certain family members we clung to each other and just kind of like we were in survival mode this is mm-hmm. you know this is this is what we were dealt with. And so we, and, and, and it surfaced in different ways with things of having to have control. Like mine is OCD of having to be on time to things. And mm-hmm. like, I have to wash my hands. Like I'm weird about like, I wash my hands at least three times after I go take my dog for a walk. Like, it's just this weird. And it, and then I have to, even if I, 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 this is just my weird tactics, but I'll have to leave. And if I, I have to always come back and walk in the door and make sure everything's locked, everything's taken care of. Like I do that same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like I have to do it. I have I know I, I know it's there. I know it's locked. I know it's taken care of, but I have to figure it out. <laughs> so right. So is that um so that's how like your family works. What would you say like the family structure generally looks like then? Like for like the average Native American family, like on the does it look different on the reservation versus what it is like out in outside of the reservation um yeah it's it's a very um like you need to figure out I'm going to give you like your ancestors are going to if they speak you better be quiet you know like because whatever is going to come out of their mouth is going to be wisdom and it's funny because my dad if someone's speaking to him of someone that's older and that has respect you keep your head down and you know your eyes down and you just listen to what they have to tell you and then you you go off and do your own thing um I don't think we have to congregate in these herds and you know go with each other everywhere we go we kind of just do our own thing and you see that with a Native American I I in my you know observations I just feel like they they listen to what they need to do and they go off and they do their own thing mm-hmm. um um, but with other families, I there we're strong and with like our humor, we're we're very we're very much survivalists. Everything that we've gone through, we'll find some kind of humor and some silver lining in it, and that's resilience I see in every Native American. Um, I wish our family was a lot more tight unit, and that's what I've seen. I know that there are other families out there that are stronger. Um, but with everything that's been kind of put on the hoof family, it's, it's sad and it's ugly. And I wish that we can find ways to heal and come back together because each and every one of them are struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Dang. Um, oh shoot. Let's see. So do you feel like, I'm just I'm trying to think about like with intergenerational trauma, like situation, do you feel like that has affected like feeling connected to your culture um, mm-hmm. or like that, that's part of the reason why, I mean, I really have no idea, like maybe like language get lost or like certain stories get lost. Yeah. I definitely grieved a lot this beginning of this year because my grandmother was always that, like that connection of what I had to be able to learn more about my culture. So I'm glad that I lived there when I was 12 years old and it was just me alone. I didn't go with my family members at all. I begged my dad and my mom when like, Wow. my grandmother came to visit I was so drawn to that culture I they they taught me how to dance they taught me a few words in Blackfoot and I was like I want to go back with them so I I really pushed myself to go back there and I, I'm glad I did because I went to sun dances I lived on the res with my grandmother 
and I was able to meet my cousins and be able to build that connection with them. And it wasn't easy because I had to earn their respect. Um, but when my grandmother passed in January, it was a very much of a grievance process for me because um, there, there's that identity of who I am. Like I, you know, and even though I'm only half, like it's still what people only see me front fit, you know, for and just they're like, you're, mm-hmm. you're something else. You're not white. You're just something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid, like I would get a lot of people speaking Spanish to me and I don't have, I'm not offended by that at all, but I wish I could tell them like, oh, this is actually, and respond in Blackfoot and be able to say, this is my language. This is, this is who I am. And I don't have that. And there are certain things that I definitely, I, and I'm, I, I just wish I had more of that understanding. Um, and I don't. So yeah, with the intergenerational trauma, it's taken a lot away and ripped away a lot of my culture. And my, I think my dad's even felt that way too. Really? Yeah. How so? Like, how do you feel like the generation intergenerational trauma has like ripped that away? Um, with the residential schools, like, you know, that they were forced to like not speak their language. They were forced to not, you know, practice their culture. Then, you know, because we didn't keep record of it, you know, and that was just the storytelling going forward. That next person didn't have that story. That next person, you know, and it goes forward. And, um, you know, not being able to be like distance is what killed us, honestly. Like they ripped our families apart. And so that, that was hard to like, to go through that or I didn't go through that, but to be able to see that. And I think you see it even with like movies, like every movie, it's like, it, it it's just the sad part of Native Americans. I would love to hear, know more about like the happier things that happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, but instead I see a lot more of just like the history and the genocide that happened. And yeah. I'm like, dang it. Like, I would love to have uh, anniversary of this and this and there are some I just need to get involved like the powwows the sun dances and then and that's what I'm trying to do that's what I you know is, is really get those stories and understand them and then bring them to light what I do have so yeah so that's that actually one of- oh, go ahead oh, oh I was just gonna say like you saying about the movies like do you feel like the media does a good or bad job like representing um Native Americans like I don't know, like Twilight or I've never seen Yellowstone, but um, I don't know. I have Pocahontas. Like that's like my like. I, yeah. I don't really watch a whole ton of new stuff. I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah. Um. Yes and no. Like, there's definitely some media that are like, like it's not. Hey, Victor. It's uh, smoke signals, which is like um all casted native americans and that one has more of our humor that's like brought to light res dogs i feel like i can relate to because our humor is just very just kind of dark sometimes but also very stale or like dry humor and it's to me it's funny because i'm like oh my gosh this is how my aunties talk to me like you know this is how my cousins are um there are some representation that happens like in Twilight or, you know, where it's like they pick a white person, someone that's not even Native American and it's Hollywood version glammed up. And it's like, that's not even Native American. That's, that's mm-hmm. way off base, but okay. Like we can, I remember going to middle school and people were like, oh my gosh, I want to marry a Taylor Lautner. Lindsay, do you have any cousins, you know, and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I have plenty of cousins, but they, 
that guy's white. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, sorry to burst your bubble. Yeah. (laughs) What you want is a white boy and you have plenty of them here. (laughs) So I just, so I've, I don't know if you've seen Yellowstone. I I watched Yellowstone like the first like week of Robbie's life. That's what I did all day long. Oh, really? Uh, But um, part of that is like, they've got some Native Americans in the show and uh, when I was watching, I was like, oh, dude, I've seen this guy. This main, I can't remember who the main guy is or the guy is, but he's also in Twilight. He plays the guy in the um, in the wheelchair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the chief. He yeah, he's the chief at that point, right? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I just feel like for me, there's like under or maybe not under underrepresentation of different mm-hmm. people in the media. And it's always the same Native American actors, which isn't bad because like. Right we have the same actors like how many Bradley Cooper movies are there you know like that type of thing but like I was like man it'd be so great there were some new people that I had never seen like in Yellowstone but then they're used again in like another show like the spinoff series of it and I'm like why don't you just get a new person like I'm sure there are other Native Americans that would love to like get their foot in the acting door you know oh my goodness yes yeah my uncle actually um crossed paths um with the what's it called the remnant or what what is it with leonardo dicaprio what is that movie oh i never saw that movie but i know exactly what you're talking about (gasps) oh i've seen is that the one where he's like like uh in the snow and he's like Uh yes yeah 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 i think anthony i've seen like a dead horse just yes 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 Uh uh-huh one my uncle like cross paths with like one of like the producers or someone like that and he was actually in it at the beginning scenes when the Native Americans were killing, like the you know, were after and running well, cases. We know yeah. we kind of know somebody famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then my dad's actually um, a Lamanite in the Book of Mormon films. Like he just oh, got cool. back from Hawaii from that, oh and gosh. yeah. So, like we're, I, and it's the if you guys have never seen Res Dogs, that one will bring to light exactly kind of the same humor. What, what is that on? What's the plot streaming mm-hmm. platform? Hulu. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. And then that one's really good, I think, because it it will show us the humor and then it also digs into a lot of the heavy stuff that a lot of Is it a documentary or is it like a no, it's like a scripted thing show. It's just a yeah. Okay. I know that you kind of like brushed on the reservation, but I guess I'm more just like so intrigued. But what is it like I like I've I have probably been on like my like only memory necessary like well okay we've been to like native american stuff in terms of like buying like a turquoise ring like real turquoise rings or whatever Mm -hmm. and stuff but then i remember one time my dad um and i we went down it was in new mexico and there was like a reservation and it was like legit on a plateau like you had to get on a bus and take it like take the bus to the plateau and um it was like this their own like kind of city um but I also don't know if I think there were some people that lived there but also like it was kind of a part of like a tour kind of thing what does a reservation look like like is it like do you guys have your own stores like is it yeah so to give you an idea what reservations are it's like the land that nobody wants to live on and that was the whole point of reservations during the trail of tears they pushed everyone onto land that you couldn't grow anything on because they wanted them to just die there 
and being as survivalist as we are we made it work you know but it is like you're gonna find it like here the closest reservation is fort hall it's in the middle between like pocatello and idaho falls and it's just nothing but flat ground and so each reservation is different like in washington it's it's um near both like cities that are just a little bit more run down um kind of like um just like lower income housing and stuff and so if you drive through a reservation um in montana going up through alberta what you're gonna see is a lot of rundown houses mm-hmm. and a lot of like crazy res dogs there's a lot of stray dogs that are running around um and they do have like the health center the council they have like a little town like a little grocery store but you would have to like my grandma lived way out in the boonies and I remember like where is she taking me and she took me to her like little blue house and the front window was like held together by duct tape and there was no running water um at the time so we had to wait for the well people to come to fill up her well but I like if I wanted to take a bath or anything I had to go down to the coolies which is like this steep hill going down and I'm thinking like a river no it was a creek it came like mid-calf so I'm like butt naked in the middle of nowhere like on the like laying down in the water like cupping water on me just like (laughs) like take a bath but that was and then like the electricity was finally put on and it's like it it's it's another it's like it's compared to a third world country um reservations most cases I know that there's some reservations that are up and thriving like I would believe the Navajo reservation is up and thriving compared to Blackfoot reservation but from my experiences on my own res and seeing Fort Hall it's always going to be run down and dirty and just chaos sometimes but if you have that casino though by Fort Hall they have a casino they always got a casino and stuff like yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of a weird i mean I, what how, where, how does that stereotype came to be do you know like which like, stereotype? like with uh that there's always a casino near like a reservation like how come that's like a thing do you know um, with most with like and because we're you know we're known for like trading and you know bartering with you gotta to survive like we had to learn what like what to do and you know I think with casinos like that was the one way to get money in through our community we couldn't just completely rely on the government because government sometimes supply and give us money for certain things but it's nothing it's near to nothing like for us it was like a $200 check once a year and um and or like healthcare that's $2,000 a whole year that doesn't do anything so but the Blackfoot Reservation, I don't think has a casino. I think they try to avoid that because that what comes with it of. Um, I didn't even know that, that that was like a thing, that those were correlated. I had no idea. And I, I mean, it may like now thinking back, we have actually a lot of Native Americans in Oklahoma, but that's because the Trail of Tears came through here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, but there are a lot of casinos here that have like native american names mm-hmm. i would not know how to pronounce them but yeah like they i don't just like hearing people talk like oh we're going down to this like like there's a um like a music thing or whatever oh my gosh a concert i can't even like think dude <laughs> um, so but i was just anyway yeah 
Yeah, no, it's it's funny because even in Washington, they have a lot of native names like Snohomish. People would, oh yeah, or Snoqualmie, and you know, it's just and they're like Snoqualmie, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> they're struggling. <laughs> that would be me. I mean, the only reason why I know how to uh, even say that is because my brother, my brother lived in Washington for a while, so okay. I kind of know those things, but I, I wouldn't have known them otherwise. Isn't there like a town? It's what is it? It's uh, down at next to uh, St. George, where they're weird about how. You oh, speak. hurricane! Hurricane! Yeah, it's not hurricane. It's hurricane. Yeah, yep, <laughs> hurricane. So, do you feel like um, generational trauma is unique to Native Americans, or do you think other cultures experience it too? No, other cultures definitely experience it. It's not biased whatsoever. It's, you know, Blacks, Africans, Americans have faced it, you know, um, and like Jews have faced it. it it's, if you're ever, and, I, and it doesn't even have to be like a certain type of a culture. I think you're going to see it with people that have dealt with abuse and abuse is just, it's something that's second nature that goes through, you know, and filters through. And um, because it, the whole the whole thing about intergenerational trauma is like stripping away your, who you are as identity, having no pride or self-esteem whatsoever. And you see that in history, wherever you are, you know, Jews, Colombians, um, Cambodians, it's just, it's an ugly thing that a lot of people have sadly had to face. Yeah. So how do we then like, the other, on the other side of things, how do we like, support that in a positive way like to help people get out of the cycle of that like how do we do that well I think like with you know it, it has to just be talked about it can't be just brushed under the rug and white knuckle it till you get through it it needs to be talked about and you and therapy is a good thing medic being going to get medication like SSIRs are a great thing to you know look and research into um like with Native Americans, it's what is really sad is like, like you guys, I don't, you know, you, Bridget, you said that you didn't know too much about it. And what, and same thing with Jimmy Fallon, it was like up in news. It was just a sad interview in my own opinion that I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't know anything. And even with like, um, I went to class my first year here, which was back in 2016. And this girl was talking about how she was like, oh, I know about the parade you guys used to do. And I'm like, what parade? And she was actually from Oklahoma. And I was like, what parade are you talking about? And she was, when we finally got down to it, she was talking about the Trail of Tears. And I was oh, like, gosh. no, that wasn't a parade. That wasn't oh a, a thing of celebration. That was, that was genocide. And yeah. so it needs, it, like, it, it needs to be talked about, I think, for, you know, bringing awareness because what's really sad now is that there are, there was a bill that was passed in 2016 through Obama's administration that talked about like the name of it was preserving Indian artifacts. But if you read into it, what really was going on was if any non-member, non-natives or natives committed any crime up to homicide or murder, they would only get three years in prison. And what was going on and what we we're seeing in a huge increase in is missing murdered indigenous people, men, women going missing. And there is no, um, there's no like justice. It was just labeled as homicide, no investigation because there is no, 
like who was judicial law of like who was going to be taking care of it and it was all the way up if like the government passed a law giving that to me it was like a slap in the face that we're not even considered to this day as equals and if we don't know as a people as a democracy understand what we're really voting for then we're not speaking up as a people and we're just we're allowing our government to take you know you know, and speak for us. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would really try to push. And that's what I'm really trying to push myself. And I wanted to go into tribal law is bring awareness and say, this is not okay. Like we're, we're going to talk about it and we're only going to grow louder and louder as people get more educated of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Dang. Well, that actually just leads me like into the last thing, I think question here to wrap things up. And it's really just like a very generic question or not or whatever statement, not question, but like, what do you want people to, what's like the big takeaway that you want people to know from today? We're still here. We're Native Americans are still here and we're still proud and a beautiful culture that we have so much left to share. And it's not just history that we want to be known for in colonization. I, we have so much more to offer as our people, like, start to grow and start to speak up their minds and I can't wait to see where like our new generation is going to bring us because we're not being silent anymore dang that was good Linz thanks <laughs> that's good I I while we're like talking about this I mean I literally could ask you like a bajillion questions I know I feel here. like I'm like I just need like a history lesson from you like <laughs> for real I feel very inadequate um just because I feel like the education public education system really like you said focuses on the sad things that happen you know like yeah. those things, it's like well what about today like what's happening today like what you know whatever so I wish mm -hmm. I was more educated in that and I guess that's something that I need to take that on as myself to figure out well and the same goes for me especially like with what I didn't know what was how bad it was in Venezuela until like you know it started bringing news and stuff there's always so much more to learn and I think like you know it's just asking the questions instead of just assuming you know that's the hard part is I I hope now like the questions should never be something deterred away from because there's so many people that are very sensitive and I want to deter away from that idea of being like oh how do you not know and be ignorant and play off of that it's like no ask the questions because I better mm -hmm. you know from my own mouth than know from a media or you know that's maybe not be 100% accurate or show all right. stories of what's going on so right. yeah you're not alone in that I feel that way towards other cultures as well <laughs> good good I feel I, I, I'm sure other people feel the same way too and I but it makes me feel like I'm like ignorant you know I'm like I only know like I know, you know I'm like some of these questions I'm like I probably sound so stupid but I really like like yeah like Liz said like my knowledge is just based off of like what you learn in like middle school yeah, right. high school mm -hmm. and you know I was like a history major at one point in college and um did like a lot of stuff on that like one of my classes like was like early it was like a Native American early Native American like U.S. history type of class yeah. so that's kind of just like the basis of of that but now I'm like man I want to read like so much more because I really don't know a whole ton well the thing with like history and what I love about like about it is that it really gives you the pride of being an American like wow we've come so far and look at our like 
Declaration of Independence. And that's something you should really be proud of. And I'm very proud of as an American. Um, but I think, I think it was what price did it have to come with and on seeing the other side of it. And it's just like, wow, that was heavy. Like when, yeah. and that poses my question to you guys, like when do you guys know when it's like, I think that decision of like to fight for that or like when to back down, that was always my question with the history teacher. I'm like, did, could you ever have seen, do you think it ever would have worked out for native Americans to live peacefully among colonizers? And their question, their answer was always no. Like, which yeah. is, I don't. I mean, I think, I mean, this is like a whole other tangent, but I think you also have to take into um, consideration the time yeah. like, mm-hmm. they yeah. lived in. Yeah, like me, Liz, today, I would love to say like, yes, like if I, if I were to go back there and like know what I know now, I would be like, yeah, of course we can make this work. But right. like the timing back then, like way different than what it is now. So right. even just like their, uh, like their out, not outlook on life. That sounds like, so like <laughs> right now. Right. I mean, yeah. just like, I mean, you have to think about like back then too, like you had, um, explorers, like wanting to like pave the way in, in learning more about the world, you know, mm-hmm. like where, I mean, I, 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 it is sad the way that things turned out, but I don't think that it would have, I don't, I just don't think it would have like, uh, it would have worked out because I think you have, you know, Europeans wanting land and Mm -hmm. if it wasn't them, it was going to be something else. And that's the sad thing about it is that like, yeah, there was definitely enough land for all of us to get along like the reality definitely enough land. Like that wasn't the issue. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe it was too, like, yeah, I don't think that that was the issue. Maybe it was kind of just like a, who's better, you know, like a, I don't know. Right. No, the inferior, like, because I think Native Americans did pose an an inferior, inferior towards like colonization or colonizers. I don't, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it could have lived peacefully with one another because their way was the only way and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but now we have the opportunity where I think, you know, we're all on the same playing field at this point. We both can speak clearly and communicate with another. There's no language barrier at this point. That's been stripped Mm -hmm. away. Now -hmm. you can understand us, like where we're coming from. And I think at the end of the day, like, I think we do want the same thing. You know, we do want our families to thrive. We do want the same opportunities as education and to grow and to live with freedom and have our own choice now that there's no communication yeah. barrier now we can communicate and be able to say this is what we both want let's come yeah. to anything on that and i just feel bad that here. there's been like generational prejudice and all of the things that come with that like it just it makes me sad i don't know mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy that it's still with everything that happened with black lives matter i before then i didn't realize how bad racism was for me, you know, because I, you know, growing up in Seattle, it's very diverse. You you are who you are and the weirder, the better. But mm-hmm. when I moved to Utah and Idaho, I was definitely the odd man out being the only brown person. I was never considered just Lindsay. Sometimes I was called Brown Lindsay. Oh, or like, don't, like, don't like that at all. Oh, no. Great. Right. And I think I told you this, Liz, but I was like engaged to someone at one point. And then his dad told me straight out of the gate, 
browns marry browns whites marry whites like this is never gonna work I and it right. but it was in the safety of his own home and like his own turf so like the public wouldn't be able to like whoa that's incorrect but mm-hmm. there's definitely some underlining like racism and some aspects but I think like because of the talk of what's going on it's definitely being like this is not okay like mm-hmm. yeah so that's I hope that we can all you know this is kind of going full circle here from the start of our conversation yeah. talking about like the racism or between not just like whites to Native Americans but also Native Americans to white people mm-hmm. I just hope we can all move forward and all get along all get along yeah right you don't have to wear right. the get along t-shirt one of these days and you know work on a group project together I know seriously <laughs> yeah I always say that to my husband too because I'm just like it's like a pendulum and it's what's really sucks is like if someone gets hurt and then it swings the other way of trying to get like even mm-hmm. and at one point to to stop it's like when when are you are you going to be able to now it's kind of like in our hands as browns blacks you know to be able to say like it's time to heal and time to move on. No more like trying to get even. I'm not better than you. I just want to be equal with mm-hmm. you. I, I like what you were saying, Liz, but it's just it's just time to get along, get over it, move on. So and one person at a time, that's how we're gonna do it. Right? Yep, exactly. Well, Lynn, thanks for coming. I, this made me, I thought this was so fun. This is a good conversation. Definitely made me realize like where the gaps in my uh, knowledge is. So I need to like do some self-reflection there. So that's good for me. Um, but good stories. Thanks for sharing your personal history with us. Thanks for having me. It's been great getting to know you, Bridget. And oh, yeah. you again, Liz. Yeah. It was good. All right. Okay. Well, hey, well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.